The topic for the day is Does Spirituality Kill Ambition? I have come across this question in different forums many, many times when people say, Is it wrong to have some material ambitions or goals when we are pursuing or treading the path of spirituality? Or they have some kind of inherent fear. Does spirituality involve killing all ambitions? You should not have any material goals. Or they have that apprehension that if I tread this path, who knows, I lose interest in everything. I lose interest in my family. I'll interest, I lose interest in my job, in my goals, in my aspirations. And sometimes people are fearful because they have attachment and some particular things are very dear to them out of fear that they will lose interest they don't want to pursue spirituality so today we'll get into this topic in detail what is genuine spirituality and before we start this discussion let us all pray together seek the blessings of the previous acharyas shla prabhupada Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Lord Shri Krishna, and by their blessings, get into this discussion. So please join me in offering the prayers. We'll pray together. You can also fold your hands and let us offer the prayers together. Nama Om Vishnupadaya Krishna Prishthaya Bhutale Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Swaminiti Namine Namaste Saraswate Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatya Deshatarine Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhara Shri Gaurabhakta Vrinda Namo Mahavadanyaya Krishna Prema Pradayate Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya Namne Gauratushe Namaha Namo Brahmane Devaya Go Brahmane Hitayacha Jagadhitaya Krishnaya Govindaya Namo Namaha he Krishna Karuna Sindho Dina Bandhu Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanchan Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Vancha Kalpataru Vyascha Kripa Sindhu Bhyevacha Patitanam Pavne Bhyo Vaishnave Bhyo Namo Namaha Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare <coughs> 
So today we will cover three aspects as far as the topic Does Spirituality Kill Ambition? The first aspect I would request all of you to make note of like we have been doing in the previous sessions I would request you at some point in this talk to write it down. The first aspect is many zeros. I repeat, many zeros. Many of us must be wondering what is this heading many zeros. Okay, let me explain. We all have some aspirations, some desires, something which we want to achieve in life, some goals, some desires, fulfillment of desires. Otherwise, we are like dead stone. The difference between us and a dead stone is that we have desires. We all long to achieve something, to do something in life, to be something in life. And it's not wrong. Goal of life is not to be desireless and inert like a stone. So we all have aspirations. We all have goals. We all want to do something. Now let's see the life from the perspective of Atma, the soul, the real self. We are not the body. We are Shetragna, the knower of the body, the soul. What is the difference between a living body and a dead body? A living body minus the soul is a dead body. Many of us have encountered a situation where we have seen someone near and dear to us lying dead. The body is right in front of our eyes, but we see all the relatives gathered around crying, weeping, in grief. And many of the saying is gone. Actually, the body is right there in front of our eyes. What's gone is the real person, the soul, the Atma. And that body, which is minus the soul, is cremated, is buried, is burnt. That body which we have so nicely taken care of, so painstakingly taken care of, is just burnt to ashes. So the main thing is the Atma and that Atma Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita is eternal. It's never dying. Ajo Nitya Shashvato Ayam Purano Nahanyate Hanyamane Sharire. It's Nitya. Nitya means eternal. Shashvat Ayam Purano. It is eternal from time immemorial. Never ever was a time when the soul did not exist. Or it came into being. Shashvat. Ayam Purano na hanyate hanyamane sharire. Hanyamane means when the body is killed, the soul is not killed. The soul does not die. The soul is eternal. And in this life, we have got this body. Fortunately, a human form of life. So from... Eternal perspective from the perspective of soul, 
this life is a small phase in our eternal existence just like today is sunday this geeta life session for one and a half hours is just a small phase in the entire day before this geeta life session you were doing something and after geeta life session gets over at 6 pm you will be again doing something this geeta life session is not all in all as far as your life is concerned as far as your day is concerned it's a small phase so likewise this life this human form of life what we have achieved after many many lifetimes is a small phase in our eternal existence our means the soul's existence and we all have heard this we all have we also repeat sometimes yahan kya leke aaye the khaliyat aaye hain khaliyat jayenge we may not have realization of this fact but theoretically yes we all have heard this statement many many times we have also said this statement many many times sab kuch chhod ke jana hai ek din so we all have come in this world empty handed and the harsh reality is no matter how expert we are how many aspirations we have how many desires we have how smart we are in accumulating wealth in properties assets near and dear ones the harsh reality is one day we have to go empty handed all what we have painstakingly by hook or crook by cheating people by telling lies by by right means by wrong means all what we have accumulated will be left behind and we move on so from atma perspective all our material acquisitions material accomplishments i have so painstakingly worked on you know i was undergrad then i worked very hard became a graduate and then post graduation and then i worked very hard i did mba from ivy league college then i did phd all the educational qualification all the degrees from the atma perspective and the atma leaves his body is left behind and the same atma next life again starts from lkg so the wealth whatever wealth we have in our bank balance crores and crores of rupees which we have accumulated when the atma leaves the body if it is fortunate to get a human birth it has no claim no right over that one and if unfortunately the soul does not deserve a human body gets into animal form forget about even claiming or even thinking of having a wealth so from atma perspective all our material acquisitions are like zeros a person have lot of wealth he has he's very educated it's like another zero he has big bungalow beautiful cars good collection of antique cars again few zeros he has lot of name and fame in the society people salute him you know he's very powerful man again two more zeros now if we take zeros two zeros three zeros five zeros stack them one after other the value is zero 
Now, material acquisition in itself, from the perspective of the soul, is like zero. We leave behind everything and move on. So, our scriptures are pointing out, Nayam deho deha bhaja nriloke. Nayam deha. One who has got this human form of life, Nayam deho deha bhaja nriloke. Nri means human birth. Kashtan kaman arhate vid bhujam ye. We should not engage in hard labor, hard struggle for existence to accumulate assets, to accumulate wealth. Kashtan kaman with lot of hard work, lot of struggle, lot of anxiety. Arhate vid bhujam. For what? To enjoy our senses, sense gratification. Why do people want lot of wealth? If we analyze, if we introspect, Wealth can buy us a lot of sense gratification, enjoyment for the senses. Then, Nayam Deho Deha Bhajan Kashtan Kaman Arhate Vid Bhujam Ye Tapo Divyam. Then, what should be our aspiration? What should be our goal? Tapo Divyam. Human life is meant for tapasya. What kind of tapasya? What kind of austerity? Divyam. Divyam means divine austerity. Even people working in offices day and night, 16 hours a day, slogging, they are also doing tapasya. But our scripture is saying human life is an opportunity to engage in tapo divyam, divine tapasya. Shuddhyet. What will happen because of this tapasya? Shuddhyet will become purified. Purified of what? Purified of all the Anarthas, all the base qualities which is clinging on to us. Lust, greed, pride, envy, jealousy, illusion, madness. Tapo divyam shudhyed brahma sohokhyam tanantam. And once we get purified, we will enjoy true happiness. Right now we believe that when I have a lot of wealth, when I have achieved my goals, I will be truly happy, I will be truly satisfied. A day will come when I would have all the accomplishment which I am aspiring for and from that day onwards, I will be so satisfied, I will be so happy and I will really enjoy life. And people actually believe that. This is what is missing in my life. I have to work hard. Once I get this, once I get married, once I get this job, once I pass out from this college, my life is done. And this goes on and on and on. So, Rishabdev in Srimad Bhagavatam is pointing out that human life is not meant for that. So, does that mean that we should not be working hard for our goals? Our scriptures point out that these goals in itself, without Lord being in the center, one in front of those zeros, are actually zeros. But if you put one in front of the zeros, if you have one zero, the value is 10. If you have two zeros, it is 100, three zeros, 1000, four zeros, 10,000. So all the zeros acquire meaning and value if you have one in front of this. So from soul point of view, the real self point of view, the Atma point of view, Nothing wrong about having wealth. Nothing wrong about 
acquiring certain skills. Nothing wrong. But if we are working very, very hard to acquire these zeros and have no time to add one and that one Lord is not there in our lives, just struggle for existence, then it is shram eva hi kevalam. It is useless labor only. So if we have one, one, what is one? One is the understanding of goal of life. What is one? One is understanding of Lord. Understanding of our relationship with the Lord. Understanding of who we are. Athato Brahma Jigyasa. Now that you have got human form of life, inquire into the self. Brahma Jigyasa is one. Understanding of what happens to us after death is that one. Understanding what is meaningful life, what I should be engaging in, what are the laws of nature, what is governing my actions. This understanding is one. So if we have this understanding, we understand the purpose of human form of life, we understand God, we are obedient to God, we follow the Lord's of the instructions of the Lord, and then we have zeros, all these zeros acquire meaning. Just like Pandavas, they were living in a palace, they were great devotees of the Lord. Nothing wrong about it. Parikshit Maharaj, he was the emperor of the whole world. He was living in a palace. But when he was cursed that he will die in seven days, because he was having one in front of all the zeros, the palaces, the chariots, the horses, all the soldiers, the army around him, he could easily give up all that, went to the bank of Ganges and heard Srimad Bhagavatam for seven days and left the body thinking of the Lord. Anta Narayana Smriti. So main thing is not that whether we should have material aspirations or not. The main thing is to have a clear understanding. Do I have one very solidly placed in front of the zeros? That is the main question. A lot of people debate, discuss or try to inquire. Can I add this zero? Can I add this? I have a desire to add this zero. Can I add? Is it wrong? Is it wrong that I have an aspiration to the go to US and you know get some degree there, do some graduation there, do some higher course there? It's like a zero. But the main fundamental question is, do I have one intact in front of these zeros? If I have one intact, then there is no harm in adding zeros. As a matter of duty. Once there were a group of researchers who were researching into this particular aspect that why there is so much of unequal distribution of wealth in this world. On one side we see billionaires, 100 billion dollars. And other side we have people living in abject poverty, do not even have food to eat. I was reading an article during this lockdown COVID time in Burma. There were people 
because many of them lost jobs, they were hand to mouth, no earnings, starving for days. In the sewage, in the sewage pipes, you know, at times there are rats, they were actually searching out, looking for, hunting those rats, the wild rats living in sewage pipes, killing them, roasting them and eating, feeding their children. Visualize, no food to eat, no money in the pocket, not eaten for days together, killing a wild rat, roasting it, burning it live and feeding the children. So the people like that, the Pareto law, 80-20 principle, 80% 20% of the people in this world own 80% of the world. There was one more article which said that the wealth of top 8 persons in this world, the richest top 8 persons in the world, the total wealth is more than is more than 300, 3.8 billion people in this world, 3.8 billion people, their collective wealth and these eight people put together the wealth, their wealth is more than them. So this researchers were trying to figure out why there is so much of unequal distribution of wealth. What is leading to this unequal distribution of wealth? This was the topic of research. In today's world, we are living in a world of meritocracy where we say that where we believe that if you work hard, if you study hard, if you are, you know, put a lot of efforts, then you can get educated and with the right kind of degrees, with the right kind of education, with the right kind of jobs, we can earn right kind of money and be successful in life, be rich in life. So the researchers found out that when it comes to height, weight, it follows if you were to plot it in a graph, then the graph would look like a bell curve, which is also called the normal distribution. You take average height of people in a particular class and then some students will be above that average height and as we move it tapers down and then some students will, the height will be much lesser than the average height and it tapers down on the left side. And if you were to plot, you will get a bell curve, be it height, be it weight. Very few people too much underweight, very few people overweight, average weight and then it's a bell curve. So when it comes to time which people spend in working, the time which people invest in their jobs, again it follows the bell curve. Lot of people on an average work 7 to 8 hours, 9 hours in a day, that's the average. There are few people who work 12 hours, 14 hours, 16 hours, 18 hours a day. There are people like that, workaholics. So that's one side of the bell curve. And there are people who take it very easy, work for 1 or 2 hours in a day. So as far as the effort being put is also, if you were to plot that, you will get a bell curve. But this research has found out that when it comes to the results, 
the amount of time what you're spending and the outcome of the results of that work, something very unusual is happening and it does not follow the normal distribution. A person may work for two hours and he may be billionaire and a person may be working 16 hours and he may not even have food to eat for his family members. I remember once we were traveling, uh, we were on a highway going from one town to another town, long drive, about 300 odd kilometers. This was in Punjab. This hot sunny day, we stopped in a roadside dhaba for some refreshments. And then we ate something. I saw one small boy, must be about five or six, although we talk about child labor, still the countryside, a lot of small towns, small young children also work. So I saw a six year old boy, five to six year old boy. He was collecting all the dishes, you know, when people would eat the plates, he would collect all that, go to one small, you know, tap, they had made some kind of a sink and he would take the plates there, put it in water, apply the soap, get it cleaned again, uh, you know, after washing them, keep it for drying. So that was his job and I had finished my meal. So I was standing next to him. I had to wash my hands. So I saw him. It was quite obvious that he had not taken bath for a few days because the face was quite black, all dusty, dirty. And, you know, the clothes were quite tattered. And he was working. So I, I became a little inquisitive and asked him, how long you work? What time your day starts? So he told me seven o'clock in the morning. I was surprised, small boy, seven o'clock in the morning. I said, till what time you have to work? So he said, uh, till 9.30, 10 in the night. Imagine 14 or 15 hours. I said, so, you know, again, I said, uh, weekly off, kab hota hai aapka? Sunday ko aapko chutti milti hai, kab milti hai? He says, koi chutti nahi hai amara. He works seven days a week. And then he interrupted me saying that, but so some provision is made for him to stay. And the person stays there, works from 7 in the morning to 9.30, 10 in the night, 7 days a week. And then I felt very sorry for him, asked him, how much are you paid? Kitna milta tumhe? So he told me, 400 rupees those days this was about 15 20 years back in today's time maybe it will be 2000 or 2500 rupees imagine a child working seven days a week 14 to 16 hours a day sincerely it's not that he is kamchor sincerely working and he's getting 400 rupees in a month in a month and there are people who work for two hours, three hours. I was reading an article on Warren Buffett. Every day without fail, he reads for four to five hours. 
He may not be working hard in that sense. He is in his house reading the books. It's billions of dollars. So when it comes to results, hard work versus result, as far as hard work is concerned, yes, it follows the bell curve. If you plot the number of hours a person puts in, but when it comes to result, somebody is working eight hours, is getting billions of dollars. Somebody is working 16 hours, is getting few thousands of rupees. So they were astonished. Why is this happening? More so when we, in today's time, it's a world of meritocracy. You work hard, you follow a process, you will get the results. Everything is becoming very process oriented. Six Sigma, how we can master the process so that we can get hold of the results. We can minimize the errors. So when we are living in a world of meritocracy, why is it that some people work hard and get practically nothing and some people by not working get so much of results? So now the ground reality to, to explain the ground reality in the algorithm and they simulated this whole thing, different people working different hours and getting different results. To, to get that kind of a graph, they had to introduce in that computer simulation a parameter of randomness or called luck. And when they introduce this factor called randomness, randomness means you cannot explain, which you can also call luck. We say, you know, sometimes he was quite lucky. He was very lucky. He got the right break at the right time. So introduce this factor called randomness or luck and then they could get the results what they are observing as far as the ground reality is concerned. So the researchers came up this understanding that randomness is a phenomena which is operating in this world, randomness. In other words, what is randomness? Random means it cannot be explained. We cannot explain why somebody is working 16 hours and still getting few thousands of rupees and somebody is this thing. Now, randomness, yes, what cannot be explained, for example, a villager, when he sees a plane flying, for him, he cannot explain why it is happening. For him, it's magic. It's magic. It's beyond his conception, how it is flying, such a huge machine. It's flying in the air. When you throw something in the air, by law of gravity, it falls down. But here, a huge machine, Jumbo 747, 737, with so many passengers, flying in the air, not falling down. For him, it's, it's difficult to explain. But for aerospace engineer, it is not a random phenomenon. He precisely knows the laws which are operating because of which a huge airplane is in the air. So likewise, because we are not aware of the laws which are operating because of which somebody is born rich, somebody is born poor, somebody is earning so much, somebody is living in abject poverty, we can call it luck, we can call it a random phenomena. But the fact is, there are stringent laws of material nature operating. The laws of karma, daivam. Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita talks about five factors of action. Endeavor, our endeavor, hard work is just one of them. 
Now, not knowing this loss, we may say it's a random phenomenon or we may say it's luck. Many times when people go to exams, the best of luck, best of luck. We may not know all the parameters in the equation, but there is someone who knows those parameters. Just like we may not know why the airplane is flying, but aerospace engineers exactly knows, precisely knows what are the laws operating and therefore they have designed this airplane. So the Lord who has designed this world is all-knowing, is omniscient and he has explained to us what is the phenomenon operating in this world. What is this law of karma? And this one is understanding of those laws, understanding of the lawmaker, understanding of that God. So if we have that one in place, then if we have zeros, nothing wrong about it because we'll be adding zeros with proper discrimination. We'll not be wasting our life in just simply adding zero and at the end of life realize that we had no time to add one. So, if suppose somebody has some aspiration, some goals, spirituality does not mean that you kill that aspiration. Spirituality does not mean that you should not have any goals in life. You should not have any desires in life. Spirituality means to ensure that one is solidly in place and then with discretion, with spiritual intelligence, go about pursuing those desires. With that one in place, you will have the right intelligence, right discrimination. What I should invest my time in? What is worth investing my time in? For example, children, you know, very much painstakingly they build sand dunes and invest a lot of time, energy, emotions. This is the door, this is the window, I will stay here. They invest a lot of time and elderly people who are sitting by the side, seeing the children playing. They are watching and they say, Khel rahe hain bachche. Bachche khel rahe hain. And one time they say, okay, bachche bhoat lo gaya, ab chalo ghar chale. Because they know that, okay, they're childish, they are playing, they're investing time. And then one wave comes, so painstakingly, whatever they have built, it's all washed over. So the experienced people who know that we are like children investing time, energy, building sand dunes, building castles in the air, which all will be washed in due course of time. So if we have one in that place, if we have the right understanding, right discrimination, right spiritual intelligence, then we will know which zeros to invest our time in. And when we have those zeros, the zeros will not be meaningless because of this 1, 100, 1000, 10,000, all the zeros will have meaning. So the first point, I request all the participants to help me in the live chat. The first point what we covered and uh, starts with many, fill in the blank and you can write it. Move on to the second point. The second point, the second aspect is the game of Kabaddi, I repeat, the game of Kabaddi. Many of us may wonder, what is this game of Kabaddi? I am sure some of us have played this game or some of at least have watched on 
in the YouTube or some other The Kabaddi is a game where there are two teams, the two courts. A person goes to the opponent's side saying Kabaddi, Kabaddi, Kabaddi and as many people of the opponent's camp he can touch and return back to his own camp, own court, that many people exit from the camp, from the opposite camp. So in other words, there is a trade-off. The more risk you take, the more inside you go, more chances of touching more people, but the chances of you coming back is much lesser. Just like in stock market, the more risk you take, higher the returns. Generally speaking, there may be exceptions. So just like in a game of kabaddi, you go inside into opponent's court and touch people, but always, always the person is conscious that I have to return back. I have to return back. If there are a lot of opponents and they are very much strong, knowing that he has to return back, he takes very calculated risk. Risk is involved. Life, there is a lot of risk. If there is no risk, we can be sitting in our homes and then probably ships don't crash or don't sink if they are on the shores. But that's not what the ships are meant to be in. They are going to the oceans. So likewise, we have to take risk. We have to pursue something in life. We can't be sitting idle. So, <clears throat> in the match of Kabaddi, a person goes, while he is in the opponent's court, he is always conscious of how much risk he is taking and he is also conscious that to return back. While he is touching different opponents, trying to touch different opponents, is always calculating the risk involved, the gains what he can get by touching more people, by taking more risk and he is always calculating my court, I have to return back safely. Same way, we can pursue our material goals, material desires, material aspiration. When we tread out to pursue these goals, we are like a Kabaddi player. We have to always keep in mind there is some risk involved. There is some risk involved. Quite possible I can get so entangled, so engulfed in pursuing that goal that I may not be able to come back safely. Or that one which I am talking about, that one gets erased, gets deleted and finally I am left with only zeros. So knowing the risk, a person takes the risk, knowing that he has to return back safely, he takes a calculated risk. So likewise, if we have aspirations, we cannot altogether nullify those aspirations. If we have attachments, we cannot make those attachments nil. If we have some material desires, we cannot suddenly kill them and say, no, I, from tomorrow onwards, I will not have any material desires. We cannot do that. We are human beings. We have attachments. We have material desires. We can pursue. But we should be like that Kabaddi player, knowing that there is some risk involved of entanglement, of attachments. Just like Bharat Maharaj got attached to the deer. 
and next life he became a deer. Because of that risk involved, he takes a calculated risk, keeping in mind that he has to return safely. Return safely here is to be Krishna conscious, to have that one steadily in place. That is always his consciousness. Now, in other words, if a person is getting sufficient time, what is that one? Shravanam, Kirtanam, is getting sufficient time to think of the Lord, to read Bhagavad Gita, to chant the names of the Lord, to spend time with God offering prayers. That is one. Time to read. If he is pursuing his goals and the one is intact, in other words, he is getting time to get up in the morning, getting time in the evening before taking rest. He is able to chant his rounds, some spiritual commitments. He is able to associate with the devotees. He is able to satsanga, like we have Gita life classes. He is getting the required time to attend these classes, the interest. Then a person is safe and then with that calculated risk, he can go about pursuing his ambitions or goals. But it should not happen that we get so busy adding those zeros, pursuing these goals, that by the time we achieve those goals, we realize that one has got deleted, one has got over and we are nothing left with but a string of zeros. That is shram eva hi kevalam, that is useless labor only. So the second point what I wanted to share with all of you, which we can remember, easy for us to remember and relate with, is the game of kabaddi. I repeat again, game of kabaddi. Just like a player goes to the opposite camp, is always mindful that there's a trade-off between how much I can gain and how much risk I'll be taking in returning back to my home court. The more risk I take, the more remote the chances I'll return back safely. Likewise, if I get so entangled pursuing material goals, there is a possibility that I'll be left with no time to pursue spirituality, no time for reading Bhagavad Gita, no time for chanting the holy names of the Lord. And that situation is very, very bad for us. So we should not reach that kind of situation. How much to pursue? How many material desires to pursue? We can be the judge, just like that Kabaddi player. So I request all the devotees to help me with the second point. You can write it out. It will be some kind of a revision. And while all of us are writing down, let's have some kirtans. We'll participate in the kirtans enthusiastically and then come to the third point and then we'll take up some question answers.
many zeros we discussed that how from atma perspective just achieving material goals even if from material estimation a person is very successful he has earned lot of money accumulated lot of assets these all are nothing but strings of zeros 
and from Atma perspective, the value is zero. The second point we discussed was the game of Kabaddi. Just like in a game of Kabaddi, the player is always conscious of his home turf and is also willing to take risk to achieve something. Likewise, yes, we may have some material aspirations. We can pursue them, but at no point we should get so entangled pursuing them that, that one is completely becoming hazy or who knows, we realize that one has got deleted. That is Shram Evahi Kevlam. Such endeavor for accumulating those zeros is useless labor only. The third point what we are going to cover is putting one in front of those zeros. So we talked about zeros, we talked about the game of Kabaddi, how we have to be conscious and the third is putting one in front of zeros. How do we put one? Our scripture says the answer is very simple. You don't have to be a big pandit, you don't have to be a big scholar, you don't have to be a brahmana, you don't have to be living in a temple. Arjuna was a kshatriya, a warrior, a family man, but he had one in place. Parikshit Maharaj was emperor of the whole world living in palace. He had one in place. Bhakti Vinod Thakur, who is the father of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, spiritual master of Srila Prabhupada, he was a magistrate. He was in the managing committee of Jagannath temple. Very, very busy with his work, professional work. But he had one in place. Likewise, there are many, many devotees all over the world who are living with their families, pursuing and fulfilling the material duties while trying their best to keep that one intact. So, it is possible. The message of Gita is not spoken by Krishna to Arjuna only for people like us who are staying in ashram or who are taken to a renounced order of life or who are pursuing brahmacharya. It's for everyone, for grahasthas, for family men, for, for all classes of men. Kirtanya Sadahari, it's for everyone. So, having said that, how to add that one? Our scripture says a simple process is two things we have to do. Shavanam. Shavanam means hear. Hear about God. Hear from our scriptures. Sadhu Sangha, Sadhu Sangha, Sarva Shastra Kai. Srila Prabhupada says that when he met his Guru Maharaj, he made a note of him and he said, this person hears carefully, sincerely. In, he made a note of him that he, Abhecharan, his name was Abhecharan, he hears very attentively, very sincerely. So once there was a Parikrama announced that devotees will be going on Parikrama, but Guru Maharaj, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati will stay back and he'll be giving a pravachan. And people had an option to either go on parikrama or stay back and listen to Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. So Prabhupada stayed back and he wanted to very attentively hear 
what Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati had to say. So we should, to put that one in place, we should have eagerness, we should have the desire that I should hear. Hear from whom? Hear from self-realized souls. Hear from great acharyas. Hear from tattvadarshis, those who have seen the truth. When we associate with such personalities, Yoshitam Sangi Sangam, Tamodwaram, Yoshitam Sangi Mahatdwaram, our doors for liberation gets open if we associate with Mahatmas. And if we associate with people who are Yoshitam Sangi Sangam, very materially attached, attached to women, wealth, very materialistic, then our doors for hell gets open. So the first thing which we have to do is Shravanam. If we have to keep that one intact in front of the zeros, we have to hear Shravanam. We have to have the right association. Just like in Gita life, we are discussing from Gita. Likewise, we have so much opportunity. Prabhupada has given so many books, his talks, his lectures, his conversations, his letters. It's all available. So if we read them, if we hear them, then that will solidly place that one in front of those zeros. And not only that, it will give us the required discrimination, intelligence to pursue the right goals. It will make us aware that pursuing this goal is futile, unnecessary waste of time and energy. Just like elderly people will not be playing, building sand dunes, knowing that another wave will come and everything will be washed away. But children who are relatively inexperienced, they do that. So when we associate with experienced, self-realized souls, who are tattvadarshi, we can immensely benefit from their experience, their intelligence, and it will rub on us and we will also be spiritually intelligent. So first is Shravanam and second, if we have done nice Shravanam, then the natural consequence will be Kirtanam, we'll be chanting. We'll have that inspiration to chant the names of the Lord, to chant the glories of the Lord. And if these, although we have nine processes, but these are the most important ones. Although in one sense we cannot say this is most important, but it begins with Shravanam and Kirtanam. So if we do that, then we'll have one in place of those, in front of those zeros. And then we don't have to have that guilt feeling. Even if we have zeros, if we have wealth, we'll have the required intelligence, how to use that wealth carefully and properly. If we have some skills, we will know how to use that skill properly. Just like on uh, 1st January, we had a small talk, Golden New Year Resolution. We had Mohit Gaur who uh, gave a musical performance. Now he is becoming a devotee of the Lord. He has some skills, singing skills. He is using that skills to serve the Lord, to glorify the Lord. So that way, if we have that one, we'll have the intelligence how to use the skills, what Krishna has blessed us with in the service of the Lord. There was one person, he was a billionaire, very, very rich. He was being interviewed by a radio jockey. He asked him, how has been your experience as far as your 
growth is concerned. You have grown in life. There was a time when you were not so rich, an average man, and today you are a billionaire. What has been your experience as you have grown in life? So he said, I have grown through four stages. And he says, there was a stage when I was working very hard, trying to accumulate wealth, earn a lot of money, working very hard. So that was stage one. And he says, in that stage, I actually struggled a lot. I struggled a lot. There was a lot of pain, a lot of struggle. So that was stage one. Then he said, a time came when I had a lot of wealth. And to pursue this happiness, ultimately all of us want happiness. Whatever we are doing, goals, aspiration, desire, is to be happy. So he says, a stage came, the second stage, which I went through. I had a lot of wealth. And then I started accumulating assets, things, possessions. I started buying a lot of things, thinking that I'll be happy. Yes, when I bought a new car, when I bought a new bungalow, there was a feeling of happiness, but it did not stay for long. Law of diminishing returns. When you, when you have some material object, it gives you pleasure for a while, but slowly that pleasure fades away. If you buy a new car, one day, two days, three days, five days, maybe a week, maybe ten days, maybe two weeks, you'll be happy. Every time you pass by that car, you'll have a sense of accomplishment. But as time passes by, that car will not give the same happiness what it was supposed to give day one. Or it gave on the day one. Law of diminishing return sets in. So he said that was the second stage when I bought a lot of things, thinking that it will make me happy, but then that happiness did not last. Then the third stage was when I started involving in big projects. Big projects, irrigation projects, buying some, let's say there are people who sponsor IPL teams. You know, we have Shahrukh Khan, we have Shilpa Shetty, we have many celebrities. No, they own a team. They own a company. They get a sense of feeling that you know, I am... I am employing so many people. So I engaged in big, big projects. But again, the happiness lasted for a short while. There was a sense of accomplishment, but it did not last. That was stage three. Engaged in big, big projects. And then this person says that a friend of mine came to me and told, all along, you have been working for yourself. For your goals, for fulfilling your desires, why don't you give back to the society? So he said, I know an orphanage, I know a place where a lot of people are disabled. They need wheelchairs, why don't you provide them wheelchairs, why don't you help them? So this person sponsored 200 wheelchairs and donated them. And when he went to that place and he saw those specially able children using the wheelchairs, moving around, getting so excited, so happy, receiving them, he said, 
was so satisfying. And then he said, the day he went there, while he was coming out from that place, he said, one of the child came back to him and caught hold of his leg and said, I want to have a look of you for the last time. I want to have an imprint of your face. You have given me this wheelchair. Tomorrow when we meet in the heaven, I want to remember you and I want to thank you. And he said, that gave me such a wonderful feeling. Yes, from material point of view, this is very wonderful thing. When you serve others, instead of, I want this, I want that, I want to fulfill this desire, I want to fulfill my this ambition, my this goal. A life which is all about serving is much better. Our scriptures point out, it's a beginning of our true constitutional position. And that service, the desire to serve rather than being served, ends ultimately. The perfection of that service is serving the Supreme Lord. Prabhupada says, dharma of a living entity is to serve. Even a politician, even President of United States of America, he says, I will serve my countrymen. Even Walmart, the top you know, stores, they say customers are the king. We are here to serve our customers. So instead of we serving our senses, serving our minds, the higher, a lot of people you know, engage in charitable activities because it gives them a higher form of happiness than what they get by accumulating things, accumulating a lot of wealth. Therefore, a lot of people want to give in charity, but that's a stepping stone. It's not the perfection of our true position. The perfection of true position is when we come, transcend the platform of we wanting to be the center of attraction to serving the Lord. Giving service to the Lord. That's our true position. And when we come to that position, one gets solidly added in our life. When the purpose of our life becomes to serve the Lord, to please the Lord, to satisfy the Lord. The gopis, they were also after Krishna. They were also dressing very nicely. But the purpose of their dress was to satisfy the Lord, to please the Lord. So when our life is oriented with that mindset, the, the mindset is that how I can serve the Lord. I may be earning a lot of money. I may have desire to earn a lot of money. How I can earn that money and serve the Lord nicely? I want to achieve something. Why? So that I can use that accomplishment in serving the Lord. I want to learn, improve my singing skills. Why? So that I can serve the Lord with my skill. If that becomes a purpose, then it is like solidly adding one in front of the zeros and then there is no harm in adding zeros. No harm in desiring to accumulate wealth. No harm in acquiring some skills. If the purpose is to serve the Lord, to please the Lord. And if a person is working, I want a lot of money. I want to earn a lot of money. Why? So that I can serve the Lord nicely with that money. If that is the case, 
then it's the one in front of zeros and those adding of zeros will not entangle us and we will remain just like Krishna gives example of lotus in a dirty pond but untouched with the dirt around it. We will be transcendentally situated. So this is the third point. I request all the devotees now to list out all the three points and let me see who gets it first. All the three points together starts with many zeros and the second one and the third one which we just now covered. So while devotees we have already here Vipin single, many zeros, game of Kabaddi and putting one in front of zeros. Well done. And while others also, Kashvi tank, many people pen down. I will cover some of the questions which we have received today. This question is from Chaturya Reddy. I study medicine and I have to become a doctor but recently since a year I have developed interest in Krishna and I want to spend time to increase devotion but I lost interest in studying how to balance. Initially, when we don't have mature understanding of Krishna consciousness, there is a stage called Falgu Vairagya. Falgu Vairagya means false renunciation. We don't have an understanding of, like I talked about, one in front of zeros. It appears that everything is zero. Why? What is the use? Money is Maya. Lot of people believe money is Maya. And they want to, you know, this because of money I am entangled. No, money is not Maya. Knife is not bad, depends on how you use it. Money is not Maya. We also collect a lot of donations, dabble in a lot of money. You may say, okay, Swamiji, how can you be dabbling in money? It's Maya. It's not Maya. How we use the money. Depends whether it is Maya or whether it is the right resource to be used in the service of the Lord. We collect, Lord Prabhupada says, collect millions of dollars the day. By end of the day, it should be used in service of the Lord. So initially, when we come to, because we don't have the right understanding, which takes time, not, not to blame anyone. I'm not saying you don't have the right understanding. It's a stage which we have to pass through. When we our understanding becomes mature, then we'll understand that all these things have value provided we have one in front of it. So there's no harm in having money. There's no harm in having some material education. So long as we have that one. So we'll have to go through this stage with the right understanding. I'm sure we can try to balance and do our duties. This is from Ajay Laksha Chaturvedi. How to differentiate between over-endeavor and endeavor as a duty? Very good question. Over-endeavor is when you have no time for the Lord. That one is erased from your life and you are left with only zeros. That's over-endeavor. And endeavor as a duty is when you are doing your work and simultaneously you are putting considerable amount of time good amount of time, quality time in spiritual activities. That is acting as a matter of duty. This question is from Lakshmi Kant, Basveshwaranand. Is there any pure devotees in ISKCON presently in his, apart from Srila Prabhupada? Yes, there are many devotees and who can say that? The Lord can say. The Lord is there in the heart of all living entities. Ideally, we should not judge he is not a devotee, he is a devotee. 
From externals, it is very difficult to make out. From externals, a person who is bearded, tattered clothes looks very renounced. A person living in a palatial house will look like he is enjoying luxuries. Who knows, he may be more renounced, a person living in a palatial house. Who knows, the person living in a palatial house may be more dear to the Lord. Externals does not matter. Beyond a point, I may be in this dress speaking big, big things from Krishna's point of view. Who knows, you may be more dear to him. So, is there a pure devotee in Iskon? Who is a pure devotee? The Lord knows. And it is better for us to not be very judgmental about these things. Yes, for sure we know Prabhupada is a pure devotee and he is an Acharya. Let's follow his teachings. It's very safe. It's very sound. And we, he has written many books which we can read and immensely benefit from. This question is from Udit Ladwal. We should depend on Krishna or Prabhupada. Actually, it is said that if we have to approach Krishna, we should not approach Krishna directly. We should go through his pure devotee. In fact, even in mundane material sense, if we were to approach Let's say Prime Minister Narendra Modi, if we have a desire to meet, we can't directly make a call to him and say, I need an appointment. We have to go through the right process. We have to go through a person who is known to Modi or through the Prime Minister's office, the right channel. So likewise, if we have to approach Lord, we approach through his devotee. And in one sense, depending on Prabhupada and depending on Krishna is non-different. If we are surrendering to Prabhupada, it is equivalent to surrendering to Krishna because Prabhupada is also saying that you surrender to Krishna. This question is from Chanchal Saha. If someone has intense desire to spend time to pursue God but can't do that due to excessive busyness in daily life and is helplessly bound by his work, what should he do? Shall God not consider? I have shared this in our previous session. If a person has intense desire, but his present circumstances, the ground reality is such that he is very busy, he has to work very hard, he is not finding time. One should do the best he can in the given circumstances. If a person is earning, let's say, 1000 rupees, just for example's sake, and he says, how can I donate 10,000 rupees? How can I donate? I have a desire to donate 10,000 rupees, but I am only, only earning only 1,000 rupees. The answer is, do the best you can in the circumstances you are in. If you are earning 1,000 rupees, give 500 rupees, give 200 rupees, do the best you can and then Krishna will give you more so that you can serve him more. There is no point in crying, I want to give 10,000 rupees, but I am earning only 1,000. Do the best you can in what circumstances you are in. And then Krishna will change the circumstances. This question is from, and the Lord is actually not interested per se in what we are offering. He is interested in the feeling. As I have sh shared earlier, a person giving 100 rupees out of 1000 rupees is much dear to the Lord than a person giving 5000 rupees and is earning 50 lakh rupees. It is not how much we are giving, it is how much sacrifice we are doing. How much love, how much we are willing to part for the sake of Lord, that is what is more important. This question is from Ashwin Srinivasan. 
Is understanding correct that the risk you encounter, whether being successful or not, leave the results to Krishna so that you are level-headed, whether successful or not? Yes, Krishna, many, many places in the Bhagavad Gita says you have the right to do your duty. Do not be attached to the results. Because we become overly attached to the results and results for what? Again, not for Krishna, for our sense gratification. Because of that attachment, we get entangled. But if we are attached to the results for Krishna, for the service of the Lord, then it will not entangle us. Therefore, Krishna many, many places says, do your duty. Do not be attached to the results. And that is what we should try our best to follow. This question is from, again, from Udit Ladwal. What is the process to make my faith firm or Krishna, firm on Krishna? As I mentioned, Shravanam. Faith is contagious. If you associate with a person who is having a lot of faith in Krishna, your faith will increase. If you associate with a person who is faithless, who is an atheist, who does not believe in God, and you thickly associate with that person, your faith will decrease. Just like in present time, COVID time, if you associate with a person who is infected, you go near him, you do not have social distancing, you will also get infected. Same way, if we associate with a person who is very, very faithful, who is filled with devotion to the Lord, every word, if you see Prabhupada, the best thing about Prabhupada is, you take any conversation, you know, you can go on the net and recite conversations of Srila Prabhupada, Prabhupada Vani, Prabhupada lectures, audio, you will find many sites. You open any conversation, you open any audio, you open any lecture, every, every 15, 20, 30 seconds you will have the word Krishna. Somebody is asking a question because he is conscious of the Lord, he is always thinking of the Lord. Many times what happens is, when we meet somebody, invariably we start talking about cricket, we start talking about politics, we start talking about so many things. Because Lord is not in our consciousness. Most of the time we are not thinking of the Lord. We are thinking of so many things. So Prabhupada, a pure devotee of the Lord, is conscious of the Lord. When we hear him, when we associate with him, read him his books, so Prabhupada says, I have not written these books. Every morning when I sit, the Lord comes and dictates. Prabhupada used to read his own books. Many times he would give a lecture and devotees would record that lecture and while having prasadam with the devotees, with other devotees, he would play that recording. So one time devotee asked Prabhupada, why is it that you yourself, generally when you write a book, that means that knowledge is already with you. That's how you are sharing with others. So then Prabhupada said, I have not written these books. Every time I write, I sit down to write, Krishna comes and dictates. That's how these books are so special. So when we associate with a person who is having strong faith in the Lord, our faith also increases. This question is from Geetika Bose. After entering spiritual life by Lord's mercy, I am happy inside, but people around me are not happy. How to cope with it? Please guide. Again, we are all placed in different circumstances, favorable, unfavorable, good, bad. Let us do the best we can. Let us understand that 
whatever unfavorable or favorable circumstances we are in, it's because of the choices I have made in the past. Today, I may be in a very, very favorable circumstances to serve the Lord compared to some of you. Now, we cannot blame anyone. We cannot say, okay, because of him today I am in a mess. Actually, it's because of my own deeds, my own karma, my own choices. So a devotee of the Lord accepts whatever situation I am in, it's Lord's grace, it's because of my own doing and let me do the best I can in those circumstances. And the circumstances can change, it's very dynamic, everything is in a flux. Things can change, time changes, people changes. I gave example of a person in my first January talk, there was a person, the wife was very, very against, would never come to the temple. And the husband very patiently kept on you know, offering water and mixing that water and giving to the family members. And slowly she changed. Everything is in a flux. One small thing happens in a person's life, he can change. So we pray to the Lord, we be patient, we practice our spiritual life sincerely. Understand that wherever we are, we don't blame anybody. And then by blessings of the Lord, things can change. This question is from Tweety. How do I know it's God's voice or my thought? Because many times I fail to make decision on what basis can I decide this is inner voice. If we have enough Shravanam, we will have spiritual intelligence and we will be able to easily discriminate. We will have sharp intellect, spiritual intellect, spiritual quotient. The basis is what? If we have done enough Shravanam then our mind will be sharp to discriminate. No, this is wrong. This is not what Krishna is saying in the Bhagavad Gita. If we don't have that intelligence, if we don't have proper shramanam, then it becomes very difficult. Just like Arjuna, he was having so many voices in his head when in the first chapter he says, what is the use of fighting? My own kinsmen will be killed, dynasty will be lost. And then he heard Bhagavad Gita. And then it was very easy for him to discriminate. Now Krishna after speaking the Bhagavad Gita tells Arjuna, Now I have spoken the Gita, now you decide what you should be doing. Yatha ichasi tatha kuru. And karishye vachanam tava. The karishye vachanam tava comes after the faith has got solidified by proper shravanam. We will have what is the Lord's desire. What I should be doing, what I should not be doing, that clarity will come if we have the right shravanam from the right source. So that's what we should strive for. Ashwin Srinivasan, this question is from Ashwin Srinivasan. Is duty who has surplus money beyond capacity to donate towards Krishna consciousness and also at the same time help the underprivileged also based on what Krishna chooses these millionaires? Today, there is a lot of people who need support, who actually need charity. There are a lot of causes for which a lot of people are contributing a lot of money. Actually, when our scriptures give this example, 
The example is given that there is no shortage in this world. Sometimes people think that people are dying of starvation because there is shortage of food, because there is overpopulation. Prabhupada emphatically says there is no shortage in the world. The only shortage is shortage of God consciousness. When people rebel against the laws, when people violate nature's law, then nature retaliates. When you disobey the government's law, the government retaliates. The police department chases a person and he captures that person and puts him behind the bar. Only if you violate the law. So likewise, nature is retaliating because we are violating the laws of nature. Pramata, pramata means out of madness. We have completely forget, forgotten the Lord. Madness for sense gratification. We are by hook or crook enjoy life. Doesn't matter whom I am killing, what I am eating, so long as it's tasty for my tongue, I don't mind. Millions of animals are slaughtered for the taste of the tongue. So, <clears throat> Our scriptures say that Yatha taror mula If you have a tree and you see the twigs, the branches, the leaves, the leaves are drying up, getting shriveled. One thing is you can take a water can and put water in each of these leaves, on the twigs, on the branches. Some branch, you know, it's getting dried up. You can put water there. You can put water on this particular leaf. This leaf has turned yellow. You can put water there. But that's not the way. It may look very odd that the leaves are drying but you put water in the root which is not drying. It looks odd but that's the process. If you put water in the root, automatically all the leaves, all the tree will get nourished. Automatically. So our scriptures say that the Lord is the root. He is the creator. If we serve the Lord, automatically it includes service of all living beings. So many people are involved in so many kinds of charities. So much effort is being put. But the world is going from bad to worse. Why? More and more people are dying of starvation. More and more natural calamities. There was one article, 200% increase in natural calamities in the last 20 years. Natural calamities, earthquakes, famines, droughts, floods and there are reliefs happening. But fundamental question is why is all this happening? On one side we say Lord is kind, Lord is merciful, He is our loving Father. But why all this? So first we are creating problems and then we are trying to give some quick fix solutions. We ourselves are creating problems, not knowing what is the solution, we are doing some quick fix solutions, which is not addressing the root cause. So when we serve the Lord, in fact, as I mentioned earlier, serving others is better than serving, being selfish, serving ourselves. But the highest thing which our scriptures say, the highest evolution is when we engage ourselves in serving the Lord. When we do yagya, yagya means for the satisfaction of the Lord, then there won't be any scarcity. There will be profuse rainfall, there will be profuse grains to feed everyone. 
So present generation, what is happening is this lot of ignorance, this knowledge is not there. And as a result, people are not knowing their real self-interest. They do not know. The real self-interest is Vishnu. So as a result, if a person has surplus money, yes, there are many so-called bona fide causes for which one can donate. But the highest charity, in fact, Bhagavad Gita Krishna himself says, charity in the mode of goodness, passion and ignorance. The highest charity is to give to a person who is engaged in serving the Lord, in propagating the mission of the Lord in propagating this message of the Lord, distributing the mercy of the Lord, distributing prasadam to people, distributing the holy name, we can engage our money in furthering these causes and that's the highest form of charity. It may look little fanatical, but that's the highest form of charity. This question is from Kritika Jain. I have a question, is it necessary for women to work outside if she is in Krishna consciousness and what are the duties of Krishna conscious women? Again, it depends on circumstances. Sometimes women may have to work because of the family circumstances, financial reasons. But otherwise, generally, the Vedic literature say that women should always be under the protection of men. When they are young, under the protection of the father. When they are grown up, under the protection of the husband. And when further grown up, protection of the elder son. So, although there is some element of, you know, danger, uh, freely intermixing, which is currently there in today's society, but we can consider various factors. If the circumstances are such like that one has to work, then we can't avoid it. We have to be a little practical. Chanchal Saha. If someone has intense desire to spend time to pursue God but cannot do this question, we have already covered. So we come to an end of this session. It's already 6-2. Thank you for joining us today. It was nice to have all of you uh, with us. We also had a session on 1st Jan. Uh, we had three resolutions, golden resolutions. One was to chant the names of the Lord. Second was to read Bhagavad Gita. I would request, we are on 3rd Jan, every day if you read two verses daily, there are totally 700 verses in the whole year, you will be completing the Bhagavad Gita. And the third resolution was, you can offer some thing to the Lord. We are talking about serving the Lord. Patram Pushpam Falam Toyam, you can offer minimum a glass of water and you can put a tulsi leaf. You don't have to necessarily, you know, cook some elaborate meals and, you know, offer that. Just a glass of water with leaf, tulsi leaf, a flower or a fruit. If fruit is difficult, some dry fruits. Every day, anybody in any circumstances can offer. If a person is very, very poor, at least he can offer a glass of water. The Lord is Bhavagrahi Janardana. He wants our love, our devotion. So, Try to hear that lecture uh, on 1st Jan, Golden Resolutions. And uh, we also have a Google form in case you need help. We can get back to you and inspire you, remind you, motivate you to follow those resolutions. And I'm sure we can have a very blissful Krishna Conscious 2021. Thank you very much.